at CSM and uh, when our student ministry meets, which is growing. And so if you're not a part of it uh, as a teenager, be sure you come out tonight. Uh, great things are happening among our student ministry and would love you to be a part of it. Uh, we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer uh, through the end of this month, started yesterday, and so people have been telling me what all they're doing, what all they're giving up, and different things during these 21 days, but the main thing is to spend extra time with God, so I don't know what that looks like for you, it might be giving up lunch, um, might be, you know, instead giving that time to prayer, might be setting your alarm tomorrow for 10 minutes earlier, even 10 minutes of prayer would make a huge difference in your day. And so uh, just whatever that looks like for you, but the main thing is to draw closer to God over these 21 days. And uh, I I think that God's going to do some incredible, incredible things. Last week, I mentioned journals to you that we had out here, New Crossroads Journals, and you guys bought them all, okay? Just flat out bought us out. And so we had to put in an emergency order, but uh, they they can't get those back to us for about two weeks. So uh, we'll let you know probably two weeks from now, we should have a whole new humongous stack of them. And uh, you guys can go nuts again uh, for those. But uh, it's awesome to take notes. It, it does more for you if you're writing it down and listening. And then also something you can refer to later uh, as well, whether it's in your life group or just your own personal study. And uh, these 21 days at the end of it, uh, we'll have a night of worship as well on February the 5th. So be sure and be ready for that. Yeah, it's going to be a powerful, powerful night coming right out of the 21 days of prayer and our student ministry coming right out of their winter retreat as well, which is like a weekend revival for the students. And so it's just going to be a dynamic time, February 5th. So make sure you've got that marked down. Today we're going to talk about your best life and how that that happens in our life. We have four words written on the walls of this room that uh, we're going to focus on over the next few weeks, and today we're going to talk about the word worship and what it's like to worship God, and really uh, the big deal here is drawing closer to God in worship, getting to know Him better, because how many know the more time you spend with a person, the better you know them? you done that? Okay. And, and so it, it's okay to answer, all right? So just, just so you know. And uh, so Jesus said it like this. He said in John chapter 4, verse 23, uh, he said this. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In other words, this lady and he were talking, and she was like, ah, you know, where, do, where should you worship? You know, should you worship that church or this church, or this place, this place? You know, how should we worship and all? Isn't it funny how people don't argue about worship? You ever notice that? You know, argue about style, argue about location, you know, all different, all kinds of stuff. Instead of doing it, you know. And, and, and so this lady was engaging with Jesus, and he says, I'll tell you what, uh, here, here's what God's into, your heart and your head, okay, in spirit 
and in truth, and not just one or the other. And then he says, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In other words, if you're looking for God today, just stop and worship and he'll find you. He'll, he'll locate you because he's looking for those who will worship him. And yet, I think there's a lot of people, and perhaps people here today, that don't really know what worship's all about. So we're going to look at uh, reasons for worship, uh, you know, why should I worship, uh, how exactly should I worship. We're going to look at some of those things. And, and the main thing is we're just going to get closer. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to get closer. Now, if you're single, it was probably really important where you sat today, all right? So, next Sunday, you just might want to keep that in mind uh, for where you're, you're seating. Here's what the Bible says. We should worship God for these things. First of all, write this down. We should worship God for who He is. Say that with me, for who he is. We worship God. That's the greatest love, isn't it? I'm not loving you for what I can get out of you or what you're going to do for me, but I just love you for you. How many would like to have that? How many know that's how God loves you? He just loves you for who you are. You don't have to earn your way to his love. He just chooses to love. In Revelation chapter 1, John says, in his right hand he held seven stars. That's a pretty big hand, by the way. That's not what we're going to talk about. But his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Now this is John writing about this revelation, this vision he had of heaven and beyond, uh, of Jesus. And, and he says, and when I saw him, not how I saw him when I was walking with him, because I used to do that. We'd walk, and we'd talk, and we'd eat together, and, and we'd hang out. And, and then John saw him die on the cross. The Bible says he was one of the ones that was there. He was there with Mary, Jesus' mother, and, and watched Jesus die. And then he watched him as he rose from the dead, and he walked through the wall and came in and talked with them after the resurrection. But he says, but, but this is different. When I saw him in all of his glory... When, when I saw him in the fullness of his greatness, his grandeur, his majesty, his power and glory, when I saw all of that, I fell at his feet like I was dead. I wonder how many of you, when, when's the last time you were like that? You were just in awe of him. See, when Moses saw him, because Moses said, you know, God, I'd, I'd kind of like to see you face to face. And God said, you can't handle it. You can't handle it. 
But I'll tell you why. I'll put you in a rock and, and I'll pass by and cover you and, and you'll get to see my afterburn. And, and the Bible says just that alone, just, just that alone lit Moses up. When, when Moses would go up and meet with God and just have encounters with God, he'd come down, the people would be like, turn that off. They'd say, put a veil over your face. You're, you're glowing with the greatness of God on you. Isaiah said, when I saw him, and, and Isaiah records this in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, when I saw him high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, he says, I, I said, woe is me. For I am undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. I've seen him. And and when I see him like that, I fall down before him. He's the door, the gate, the good shepherd, the bread of life, the living water, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. This is who he is. The, The lion of Judah and the lamb of God. He's Emmanuel, the light of the world, the bright and morning star, the great I am, the great physician, the resurrection, and the life, just to name a few. Okay, that, that's who he is. So we worship him for who he is. And when you do this, I'm going to teach you a Hebrew words. As a matter of fact, I'll teach you a couple of them today, and you'll look smart this week, okay, because you'll know a couple of Hebrew words. Uh, the first one is shaka. Say that with me, shaka. Not shaka Khan, okay? <laughs> that's something totally different, totally different. But shaka is a Hebrew word for worship that means this, bow down, fall down flat, do reverence to worship, to just get caught up in worship. Again, when's the last time you shakad? When's the last time you were so caught up in worship that, that you didn't even know, hardly know what time it was or anything around you? Look at what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. In other words, let's shakah before him because our God is a consuming fire. So, so when we're really in his presence, when we really understand who he is, then, then we shakah. But the enemy doesn't want us to do that. And the temptation of Jesus, he got, he got tempted several times. The Bible records them for us, thankfully. And, and we understand these because this is how we're, we're tempted. A lot like Jesus. The Bible says he was tempted just like we are. Yet he was without sin. And the enemy said to Jesus, hey, if you'll just bow down to me right here, if you'll just shakah to me, I'll give you these gleaming cities. I mean, there's, there's life in the city. There, there's lights, there's life, there's fun, there's adventure. I, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities for you in the city. And I'll give you all these cities if you just bow down and worship me. 
See, I, and the enemy, he, he's still up to his old tricks. How many know that? See, when your tactics work, you don't change them. You just go ahead and reuse them. And so the enemy comes along to some of us and he says, hey, 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 you don't have time for worship this weekend because you need to go have some fun. You've had a stressful week and, and there's no need going to church. You need to blow it out. You need to go out, spend some money, have some fun and go do something because you work hard for your money, Right? <laughs> And, and, and so, you need, to, you need to spend some of that money. You need to go out and have some fun. And, and girls just want to have fun. And boys, how many know I've had some lyrics in my head this week? So, <laughs> so you need to just, just, just do some stuff. And, and Easter's coming. You can get to church. You know? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know that the enemy so much picks and, and desires a particular thing as much as anything that'll draw you away from God. Right? It, it doesn't matter what it is, just so it's not God. It doesn't matter what you worship. It doesn't matter what you give your time to. It doesn't matter what you're in awe of, just so it's not God. Right? And it can be sports, money, you know, it's a lot of different things for different people, career, different things like that. But we're all worshipers. He just wants us to worship something other than the great I am. So the second thing, if you're going to really worship God, here it is, write this down. You, you worship for who he is, but then you worship, you should worship for what he has done. Say that with me, for what he is done. You, you should worship for that. And, and when you do, when you get caught up in that, I think you just kind of worship with abandonment. You just kind of forget. When you start thinking about all that he's done, then, then you just begin to get lost in worship by doing that. Not just who he is, but what he's done. In 2 Samuel, it's a passage where David is talking to his wife because what happened here, let me set this up, is, is his wife watched him dancing in the streets. And he's the king. And she's like, honey, that's undignified. Honey, the, the king, you know, you're like the president of the United States. You, you, you're like, I mean, who does that? I mean, if we had the president of the United States dancing in the streets, you know, how many think that'd make YouTube or something, you know? That'd be, that'd be all over the place. Look at it. Check it out, you know? And, and David is out there, and he's just dancing, you know? But the reason he's dancing is because they've just won a battle, and they brought back, and they're bringing back, they're in the process of bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant to the Israelites was like the significance of God is with us. This is a huge thing. It doesn't get any bigger than this. This is better than the Heisman. You know, this is better than bringing in the Lombardi trophy or whatever else to town. This is the Ark of the Covenant. And they're bringing that back. And David can't help himself. 
He's like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? The, the presence of God in the camp, in our place, in, in, the, in our midst. I mean, and he's just out there dancing. And she's like, oh, seriously. What has this world come to? You need to behave yourself. And here's what he said. I, honey, I will, just so you know, I will celebrate before the Lord. And I will, just so you know, I'm, I might become more dignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. In other words, David said, you know, I know you're worried about people and what people think of you and what people are going to say about you, but I don't have that same worry that you have. I'm more worried about what God thinks of me. I'm more worried about how he's responding to what I'm doing. And he deserves my highest praise. Anybody with me on that? I'm telling you. And you know how to do this. You just do it maybe at Lucas Oil Stadium, okay? You know, because here's how this works. You know, if that's your team and your team is, you know, maybe going to get to the playoffs and maybe maybe win in the playoffs. Remember those days? And, and so, <laughs> sorry, but, but you know, and, and so you're behind maybe. And, and, and the quarterback throws a 40-yard 40 40 uh, pass, and, and somebody catches it, and it goes for a touchdown. Now you're in the lead. How many know popcorn goes flying, beer goes flying, everything goes flying, people are screaming and yelling and high-fiving and dancing and doing whatever. And nobody says, that is undignified. need to watch it. You need to calm down. No. You go to a concert. You go to different places. And people think it's no big deal to raise hands, to clap, to shout, to jump, to get excited. I'm telling you, I know somebody who's done more for me than anybody on a football field has ever done for me or anybody on a concert stage has ever done for me. I'm talking about somebody, maybe he's done that for you. He's set you free. He's come into your life, forgiven you, washed you, cleansed you. If you just think about it, and maybe you're saying, well, you know, I, I don't know, I'm praying that grandma will be healed or whatever, and he's not healing her, you know, he's not giving me a new car, and I need a new car, or I need a job, or I need this, or I need that. Let me tell you what he's already done for you. When you were lost and undone without God or his son, and you had no hope, you were doomed and damned for a hell for eternity because you're not holy, and he is holy, and only what is holy, what is pure, can go before him but instead of you being rejected he accepted you came down to your level when you couldn't get up to his and he came and took your place on the cross so that you could go to a heaven you don't deserve how many he doesn't really need to do too much more than that he doesn't need to do too much more than what he's already done. 
because some of us are a different person than we used to be. See, some of us got saved to the bone. Do you know what I'm talking about? When, when Jesus moved in, he, he brought all, the, all of himself, right? Brought the power of his Holy Spirit, and, and you've been freed. No, some of us, though, we need to get free of our tradition. We need to get free, because some of you say, well, Craig, I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. I didn't ask you how you grew up. We're, we're not taking a vote. We're not taking a poll. No, we're just saying, what does the Bible say? about worship. See, it's not about what this church says or some other church. If you just were to read the Bible for yourself and you say, look at what that king did. And he's a king. You know, and all of his kingship. And and if he didn't worry about being undignified, if he didn't worry about what people think, then who am I to worry about what people think? Who am I to think about what are other people saying about me? You know, I've told you the story about the old woman who was in church and, and she would shout out and they got a new pastor and he was young and, and everything and he'd talk about the grace of God and she'd sit on the front row and she'd just shout out, praise the Lord. And he'd lose his place. <laughs> and, and so then he'd get back on track and, and she'd do that about every week. Finally, he went to her and he says, hey, hey, Mabel, uh, if I buy you, I know you're cold in church, so if I bought you a nice warm blanket, and it was your blanket, and we'd have it down here in the front where you like to sit every week, do you think you could stay quiet for me? And she says, I think I could, Pastor. And so the next Sunday, she's there. She's all warm and fuzzy under that blanket. And he got to talking about the grace, the mercy, the love, the forgiveness, the undeserved mercy of God in our lives. And finally, she jumps up and says, blanket or no blanket, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, there's some times where it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. You just have to go ahead and say, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God, for all you've done for me. You can't hold it back. How many of you here, you just can't hold it back? So I want to give you another Hebrew word. We're, we're going to shaka, right? But then we're also going to Halal, all right? Halal, say that with me. Halal. That's to praise, be boastful, to shine, or make a show before the Lord. It's where we get our word, hallelujah. It's just to not care what other people think and just to let go and worship him to your highest level. You know, many of us, think about certain ways to worship God. And, and it, when you hear people talk about worship, it's just kind of funny because many people say, well, I'd like to worship the way we used to, you know, and, all, but, and they want to go back, but they don't want to go back too far. They only want to go back about 40 years. They don't want to go back 400 years. 
They don't want to go back 4,000 years and have David up here on a harp, you know. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> Just like go back about this much. And, and, and I remember growing up singing out of a hymnal and, um, you know, we, we'd sing, I think it was red. And, and we've had our favorite pages. They, they'd be the loose ones almost, you know, in the book because uh, we really liked those. And um, we'd sing those and um, we'd sing like verse one, two, and four. I don't know what we had against verse three, but <laughs> there's something about verse three we didn't, didn't like or didn't like that one as well. And, and so we, we, we'd have, you know, that, that music going on. And let me tell you something. That's not what worship is. Worship in what book you use or if you don't use a book. It, it's not what instruments are on the stage or if there's any instruments on the stage. Worship, true worship, is in spirit and in truth, Jesus said. It's what emanates out of your life, and it takes on various forms. Let me just give you a few out of the book of Psalms. Here's just a few. One is shout to God. When's the last time you did that? Dance before him. Sing a new song. Clap your hands. That's why we clap. Why do they do all that clapping at Crossroads? Bow down, shaka, lift your heads to the Lord. Stand in awe of him. Walk in his ways. Don't just come here and make a bunch of noise. Go out and walk it this week. Hello? Go, go ahead and do it this week. And, and still your heart. There's sometimes you just, you're still before him. You, and then there's other times you make a loud noise before the Lord. You lift your hands in surrender, and you clash the cymbals. How many know clashing cymbals are fairly loud, right? And every time we get the curtain pulled back on the celestial view of heaven, uh, we get to see heaven, and sometimes the writer says, John, he says it sounded like, he didn't even know Niagara Falls, but he said it's like Niagara Falls. It's like the sound of rushing water. It's just a roar. It, it's, just, it's just this loud noise before the Lord because God deserves our highest Praise. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. God inhabits the praise of his people. My, my goodness, if I were you, I would try not to miss a Sunday in 2020. See, you don't have to be here to worship, but I'm just telling you, isn't it more fun? <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, you can watch the game at home, but when you're there, it kind of goes to another level. It's the energy of the room. It's being around all these other people that are doing the same thing you're doing. And there's just something that happens. Jesus said it like this. He says, when two or three, just get two or three together in my name, I'm there. Oh, I'll be there in the midst of them. So we bring a sacrifice of praise. And the way for it to be a sacrifice of praise is we say, I'm not letting anything get in my way of being there. And, and we can't have full on if everybody's not here. Does that make sense? 
You know, we need everybody doing their thing. And, and you may say, well, I don't sing well. That's okay. It said make a joyful noise, all right? So you can just make a joyful noise to the Lord. So God is looking for worshipers, and, 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 and here's what we need to do. We need to not focus and worry about what other people think, and there may be somebody here who says, Craig, well, you know, are you wanting to just stir us all up in some emotional frenzy or whatever? No. Everywhere, and I, when I read about worship in the Bible, it was, it was together. It was like orchestrated. It's like when you're in the field house, and they put on the screen, make some noise. What's everybody do? They make some noise. It's weird if one out of 20,000 make noise, right? It's weird. But it's not weird when everybody's doing it, when everybody's engaged in it. And it's an authentic response. And here, that's all I'm asking for. I'm saying, if, if, you, if you get hoarse after going to a game or, or something, and people on Monday are saying, oh, what happened to you? And you say, oh, I was at the game yesterday. They say, oh, okay. Gotcha. I wonder how many people go to work on Monday and they say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm hoarse today. Oh, I could tell, you know, what's up? And they say, well, I was at church yesterday. <laughs> and they say, oh, gotcha. I was there too. <laughs> See, that's how it ought to be in our lives. Because when you love something or you love someone, how many know it shows? It shows. It shows. And I would be careful not to make an idol out of something other than God because God may need to remove that idol from our lives. Here's the third thing. We worship him for who he is, for what he can do, and here's, here's the third thing, for what he will do. For what he will do. Say that with me. For what he will do. See, that's faith, right? Faith is I, I believe for something. And in Ephesians says, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it talks about how God is able to do immeasurably beyond what we could even ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so God is beyond our wildest imagination. He's able to do far beyond what we could ever ask or think. And so worship is saying, God, I know you're able. I know you're able. So in other words, you may be saying, oh, I'm praying for grandma to be healed, or I'm praying for this miracle. I'm praying for this financial need to be met, and it's not met. It's not met yet, friend. And you worship him as if it were met. That's faith. See, faith says, I don't, I, I don't see it yet, but I believe it. And so if I believe it, I'm going to thank him for it. I'm just going to thank you, God. Grandma's healed. Thank you, God. I'm going to get that job. 
Thank you, God. I, I'm, I'm going to be healed of this sickness or this illness or this disease. It's just a matter of time. And, and even, here's the big thing. Here's the true worshipers. God's looking for some true worshipers today. That even if he doesn't heal you, he still said he'll be with you. Right? He'll be with you. He didn't say you're not going in the fire. He just said you're not going in alone. He didn't say you won't go through the valley of the shadow of death. He just said you won't go alone. I'll be with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. I'll even set a table in the presence of your enemies. I'll anoint your head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody get excited this morning about what he's already done. So see, even if he doesn't do anything else, what he's already promised is more than enough. And I praise him in advance. Let me give you an illustration of this. Uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the people of God were facing an enemy that was bigger than them. Have you ever had that happen? You ever been bullied? You ever had something bigger in your life, an obstacle, a mountain bigger than you? And that was the people of God. And so here, here's what they did. They were crying out to God, and, and, and they were bewildered about what, what we're going to do. And, and here's what the prophet said in verse 15. He says, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. See, I wonder if God sent me today to remind somebody that the battle that you're encountering, the battle that you're facing is not just yours. God's taking it personal. Hello? Yeah. That, that God's saying, mm, no, you're messing with my kid now. You're, you're messing with one of my kids and, and here's what he says, the battle's not yours, but God's. You will not even have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Here's what you need to do. Not cower down and live in fear and be shaking and whatever. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out. Here's what you do. You face them. You face them tomorrow, and look, the Lord will be with you. He's not even promised they're going to win yet. But he's, what he's saying is, win or lose, God's going with me. And that's enough to praise him for. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter if he gives me that job or I'm still looking next week. It doesn't matter if they're healed or they're not. It doesn't matter if I get the promotion or it passes me by again. Come on. I'm going to praise him anyway because he is with me. And Jehoshaphat, look at this. 
Jehoshaphat shakad with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem shakad before the Lord. And then some Levites and Kohathites and Korahites stood up and halaled before the Lord in a very loud see it's in there in a loud voice and, and here's what they said listen to me Judah and the people of Jerusalem have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld who are you putting your faith in today in his prophets and you will be successful and after consulting with the people okay what are we going to do what's our battle plan what's our game plan come on who's, who's going to go long who's, who, what are we going to do here who, who, what are we going to do in this battle they came up with the strangest battle plan here's what they said After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing. Here's what I think I'll do. I'll sing. Uh, Did you say shoot? No, no, I said sing. To sing to the Lord and to halal him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out at the head, uh, I think we'll put them out front too. And here's the song. I love these lyrics. These are some good lyrics. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. What would happen if you turned off CNN? Fox and whatever else. What if, what if you shut your phone off and you just start singing that? Let me give thanks to you, Lord, for your love endures forever. Oh, but what about that problem? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. But what are you going to do about tomorrow? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. But what if she doesn't get well? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. How many maybe need to get louder than the voice in your head? Now, verse 22, as they began, as they began to do what? To sing and praise. God said, step aside. I'm about to do something. And he set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. And they didn't even have to fire a shot. All they did was say, God, our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Our belief 
you started singing? What if you started praising? What if you started shakaying? What if you started halaling? What if you started lifting up a praise to God? I wonder what God might do for you. We're going to do that here today. We're going to get a chance to practice what we preach, all right? Before we do that, let's pray. Father in heaven, you inhabit the praise of your people. There's just something that happens when people begin to praise you. The atmosphere changes. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I've allowed the enemy too much time lately. I've let worry, I've let fret, I've let other things come in and distract and stuff like that. I don't want any distractions anymore. I don't want anything hindering me from all God has in 2020. I want to press in. I want to get closer to God in 2020 than I've ever been before. If that's your prayer, would you just shoot your hand up in the air right now with mine and say yes. Yes. Yes, that's me. Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised. You said if we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. So God, I know that today you're drawing closer and closer and closer to us. And God, I'm expecting this year, it's going to be incredible, God, as you pour out your spirit in our lives as we put everything else aside and say, God, you are number one in my life. God, I know we haven't even begun to see what you'll do. Maybe others of you are here and you'd, you'd say, Craig, you know, I used to I used to go to church, but I got bored or whatever. I left. I got disenchanted. I got my eyes on people instead of on God. I don't know what your story is, but maybe you're here today and you just say, Craig, if there is a God, I want to know Him. I want to know Him. If, if He's real, like you say, want to know him in a real way. And I want him in my life. If you're here this morning, you need Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. If you need God in your life and you need to make some changes maybe, but, but that's later. Right now, what you need is to invite him in your life and let him make a difference. And if you need that right here, right now, would you just shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I need him. Yes. Yes. Raise them both hands up there. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. And, and over here again. Over here. All right. Yes. All right. Several raise their hands around the room. Crossroads family, pray this together. Everybody praying. Nobody prays alone at Crossroads. Let's all lift our voice to God. Just pray it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay my price so that I can be free. I want to know you. 
my life today. Take away my past. Give me a new beginning. From this day on, as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and making me a child of God. In Jesus' name.